This is, this is the In the Black Podcast. Who wants to watch Cash drink? What? Somebody in, in some female in, in oh, yeah, because it was a female. Uh, some female in Crush uh, O's inbox hit him up and said that she wanted to see me specifically drink on the show. <laughs> but <laughs> it has expanded to all of us partaking. I don't necessarily think that's what this young sister wants, but she, I mean, I she, mean, gonna, look, she gonna get all of us. You know, we're not exactly, we're not exactly in the position to say no. So I suggest you I have you zero favorite drink. To say no. Get out, uh, get out your, your favorite, uh, 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 what you call it for the for the for the pocket. You know what I'm saying? And get your smoking jacket out. Shit. You know what I'm saying? Matter of fact, <laughs> if we, we're recording, baby girl, whoever you are, hit me up, and we can drink together. <laughs> Fuck these other two. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> This is this is clearly one of the reasons. Why like, <laughs> I, pose, I pose ideas, I, and you're I like, "I got to bring these two. We can do it together, <laughs> just me and you." Shit, that's how it is man. in these streets, bro. Nah, Shit, I don't you, man. I know you've been Even having a good old time living your, man, your free and single life. I wish that was the case. <laughs> I done wipe more runny noses than handing women wet rags. I know that. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> more, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Listen, bro. This motherfucking Elgin is touched in the head, boy. He's Clearly. touched in the fucking head. Clearly. God damn. God damn. I'm Shout out, shout out to all the patrons who listen, man. You get this firsthand. No doubt, no doubt. Speaking of patrons, let me just do the intro real quick. Thank you, thank you, thank you to all of our Patreon family, man. We appreciate you. We cannot say thank you enough for your attention, your patience, putting up with our food, putting up with those foolishness, really, because he's really the one that causes all the fucking. Oh, we about three minutes in. I ain't start yet. Not even, not even. And I know you're sipping on something, so we we about to get real live, my guy. Actually, got a little heartburn, so I'm working on the ginger ale tonight. Tonight, he's drinking ginger ale. He's drinking ginger ale tonight. We thank you for your patience, your attention, and most importantly, your dollars that help to continue to promote strong independent black media man we could not do it without you we recognize that and we appreciate you thank you so much well based on our last conversation that we had last week about john morant and t morant uh, we got a lot of feedback about that uh, <laughs> folks think that we are <laughs> what think that we are terrible terrible parents i guess what because folks are like i don't understand oh God, how what? man some of the comments the pe- some of the comments the people on youtube were so aggressive speaking of john morant though so recently right you know that he's ultimately he's got two more games that he needs to serve he's right. basically missed about five or six games at this point. Oh, I, 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 I thought it was like only four. Okay. Damn. Now he's yeah, supposed he's, to miss two, yeah. and he went away for some time now. Oh, man. The okay. question that I'm going to bring to you guys is... Mm-hmm. So for you listeners who haven't been paying attention, and you're just mad at us because I said a multimillionaire can't be told what the hell to do by their father. Uh, John Morant has been <laughs> giving an eight-game suspension by the NBA for violating... 
uh, were being a detriment to the league. Whatever he got on. off easy. He yeah, only got eight games when I believed and thought that he was going to get at least 30-plus. But go ahead, Sean. So part of the part of the question that came up was he served this suspension or serving the suspension. He went away for a week. He went away for a week into rehab to deal with life's stresses, anxiety, and something else he said. Basically emotion his emotional well-being. Now, the question became is this legit? Is what legit? Is his going away legit? Who's asking this question? A lot of people are asking this question, and here's the reason why. People specific, one of the reasons, I forget who said it initially. One of the first people that said it was, I don't like, I, I think it was Charles Barkley or somebody. I, I oh, okay. Forgive me for, for not Another remembering. genius. No, Go ahead. But there's, but there's also, uh, there was other folks, so bear with yeah. me, right? Okay. So Charles right. Barkley, I, th I think it was Charles, so don't quote me, but mm -hmm. I think it was him, saying he doesn't like it when people lean on the mental health aspect of it because he does not believe that this is a mental health issue and that it makes it bad for other people who are actually dealing with mental health issues. It looks like it's just a a a, a, a situation of stupidity. So that's, well, what, we'll say Charles, because that's who I believe it is, but see, it might not be him. Then two, hold on, hmm. two, I don't know if you guys know, but you know that Mace and uh, Cam have a podcast. Right. And Cam said the same thing. Cam John Morant can't stay out of trouble. Uh, he was caught flashing a gun on IG Live, and now he is out for two games. He sent out a message stating that he will go through a healing process, but now he is being investigated by Colorado police after multiple incidents. What <laughs> is he healing from? That was, I, I, that was going to be my first question. I, I wanted, <laughs> yeah. First, I wanted to allow her to finish saying what she had to say. That was, that was my first <laughs> The is a healing process. See, you know what happens? You know what happens on some G you know what happens? And, I, and I'm not being funny or none of this shit because, yeah, you know, because really nah, nah, you know what it is? They'll sit there and say that we insensitive yeah. because we grew up in another era and all that other shit. Niggas got to stop playing with this mental health shit. Yeah. For real. When niggas get in trouble and niggas ain't doing shit right, niggas just run into that. But I think he just got goals. I think he's trying to make it out the league and make it to the hood. Sound about right. Listen, then three, Jay Williams was on ESPN today and he's like, as someone, who has dealt with these things before, who has gone into rehab for anxiety, depression, and X, Y, and Z. You don't stay there and come like out we hit in a fast forward here. One million percent. That, I mean, that's I'm my like, biggest thing, Molly. He's already out. That was my first reaction to it. But I'm like, it's been a week and a half. Yeah. It's been a week and a half from somebody that's been to counseling centers, mm -hmm. from somebody that still talks to a therapist an hour a week, yeah. once a week. Like, you know, most of the time when you talk to people that are going through counseling, you don't see them check into a counseling treatment center for a week when they're dealing with anxiety and stress at a high level when there's been a series of habits that have occurred multiple times. So for me, like the bigger question is, I, and I really get afraid about this for Ja, it feels like there's a pattern of Memphis enabling him to a degree for this type of behavior. And once again, I stated by saying I want Ja Morant to win more than anybody. I of want to see him course. be successful. I want to see and him be on the court. Second chances, and you want him to come back better and stronger and get the help, all those things. But there's like the, the weird timing of it. Just all of a sudden now, we're just rushing the process 
to get to get back on the court because there's 12 games left in the season. And if you just win, so there's all this Brooks, the question to you, do you guys honestly think that this is a mental health issue that he's experiencing? Or is it one of those things like you really don't care? You're glad that he's I, going to do what he. Why do I? Why is this even a topic of conversation that these folks on mainstream media are having? I find this so wildly offensive because you can look at all of the gentlemen that you just mentioned who, at some point in time, we don't even have to go down the long history of Charles Barkley's reckless behavior, whether it's with the Philadelphia 76ers at the University of Auburn or Phoenix Suns. We don't have to talk about all of his. We don't have to talk about Jay Williams' issues when he, it's just, I don't think that this is an arena that we should even be stepping our toe in to begin to question how someone is addressing their mental health. I don't even think this is something that we should ever be having the conversation about, whether we believe what they're saying is real or not. Who, that's completely irrelevant, whether you believe it's real or not. What you believe, whether it's real or not, doesn't have any bearing. This is a young man who is on the path of destruction and any opportunity that he can get to not be on that path or to slow down on that path hopefully exiting off that path healthy you should be applauding that whether it's a week or 30 fucking minutes who are okay, you let to me actually let me, let, me put some, to question let me add let me add some let me add some additional context to it i think part of the reason why these questions are bubbling up is because one Given how the information has come out, right, it seems as though this behavior has been this behavior has been going on for a long period of time and that the Memphis Grizzlies have been enabling it. Right. And it just all of a sudden seems very convenient that he's now returning when they are still in the race to get into the playoffs. They're not dropping any seeds and they need him. So it's like, okay, Talk we've been putting a blind eye. Jeez. We've been putting a blind eye to all the stuff that you've been doing. Now we can't put a blind eye to it because the NBA has brought it up, but we can't take that major hit because, I mean. Do we really we, think we, the Memphis we Grizzlies were turning a blind eye to John Morant's behavior? The, okay, this is what they were saying. They're Who's saying they? that the coach, other media people, oh, other mainstream media people. I'm 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 just I'm a humble servant of the community. I'm just telling you. Need you need a new community, my man. Your community. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, so basically, folks are like, okay, hold on, hold on. There was, I think, during the interview that the head coach had, he basically was saying, he alluded to that he's been having problems for like this for a while. So all of these behaviors that have recently come out to light, he's been dis he's been exhibiting these things for a minute. So it's like, okay, hold up. Was it just the issue of him at the strip club? Because to be 100% honest with you, I don't think that that even warranted a, a suspension for me. It was something stupid. He went to a strip club and he's- But that's not why he got, it's not why he got suspended. That's, hold on. Is that not why he got suspended? No, no. So tell me why you think he got suspended. Using Cause the- Because the NBA was not very, the M, you know the NBA used, used the NBA, uses uh, ambiguous language. 
Exactly. So that's why I am led to believe that it wasn't just that incident. I think it was a culmination of incidences, but also I think they believe that they were suspending him as a quote unquote wake up call to say, hey, you got to knock these behaviors off or worse is coming. I believe that when he had that conversation with Adam Silver, Adam Silver said, bruh, listen, uh, no. We ain't doing this. We're going to give you this eight. And if your name come up again, just know that we're dropping a hammer on you. I, I, I can't believe And I, this idea that the Memphis Grizzlies are somehow ignoring Jaws' behavior and overlooking it. But let's I, I can't. Let's, no, I'm not saying no, that that's no. what's happening in this situation, but let's not act like teams don't do that. What, Exceptions when? are made for exceptional Come on, teams. Bro. Teams never overlook a player's Stop behavior. Stop it. We no, were no, talking about let fucking me Gilbert Arenas the last time. He was a fucking menace on that team. Listen, before man, all the guns why and shit isn't that every time I'm going to make a point, you decide to hop on and step on my point and say that I'm saying something that I haven't even got an opportunity to say yet? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, man. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. I'm man. saying that teams are not overlooking these players' behavior. I'm saying that most times they will handle or attempt to handle these behaviors internally before they make it to the national media. The same way they did with Gilbert Arenas. The same way they did with old boy who played with Memphis Grizzlies. The, the ball you think dude. so? You think they're why, not just why, tolerating are, it? Why would they tolerate it? These are billion-dollar entities. Yeah, it's that a billion, can, no, but, they're bring, but don't forget they're bringing I'm, in I'm all let you this talk money. Because you keep jumping no, on. No, I mean, if we're having a conversation, we're having no, a conversation. We, These I folks can, are bringing in money, so why wouldn't they be tolerant to it? Why would they be... When do what do businesses be tolerant to things that are ultimately going to affect their bottom line? When your population or the people who typically pay the most for your business is a white population who don't really like us anyway, they're looking for. And, no, I can't. You say I, that, I but look not. at Ben Roethlisberger. You forget that the the damn Pittsburgh Steelers tried to sweep that under the rug after he had uh, after a that sexual assault. He's a white quarterback. And you're proving my point that these teams tried to take care of it and handle it in-house first before it makes the national media. They didn't try to, they tried to sweep it under the rug. That's not the same as handling it. That's necessarily that's not necessarily the same thing. I'm what so, I'm saying is so you just are they, thinking that they, are they do punishing? Anything? I don't think so. I don't oh, think wow. so. Okay. I don't think so. It's easier to have him just get get back on the field, get back on the court, and keep doing what you're doing because you're putting butts in seats. Than it is to say, okay, we're going to take culpability or acknowledge culpability for what you did and suspend you and punish you. I think it's a lot easier for a team to do that. I don't think that's what they do. Okay. okay. All right. I don't know if you guys remember, but you know, I went gallivanting across into the Caribbean a, a while ago. All right. And, uh, and afterwards, when we got back, um, my wife and I were watching the show and we saw a woman with a pineapple tattoo on her on her back. Oh, here we go. Oh, this is here we go. This is the, the, the ITBP after dark. Okay, oh, here we go. It's your, your warning. It's not, it's not, it's it is. Because everybody, we already know what the pineapple tattoo means. So, we need a, okay, okay, we, we, okay. We, so we, we, we need a new graphic. Listen, listen. So, listen, check this out, though. My, my wife did not know 
what a pineapple of jack course she, was. she doesn't right don't 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 make, <laughs> she's a don't make her seem she's she's not as innocent so don't Listen, don't, don't i ain't don't, talking about your wife that's a, that's a god-fearing woman you better not. i, I will you, not as a god-fearing woman you feel better than so I, I she didn't know what it was so, so we see know. she's like what she's like what type of i said so we're watching and i said oh shit and she's like what, what's wrong with you i said she's got a pineapple tattoo and she was like and I was like, so you don't know what pineapple tattoos mean? She said, mm. no. She said, I said, it means that she likes to swing. She said, it's like swing on ropes? What are you talking about? <laughs> I said, no, nigga. She likes to She, she did likes not to say swing on ropes. Yeah, yes, yes, she did. No, she, she did not say that. She's wild, dog. I said, no, she likes she likes to share her goods with the community. She likes to swing oh, with everybody. So disrespectful. <laughs> so so I was telling her, I said, so I told her, I said, you know that you almost set me up, right? She said, What do you mean? I said, when we went to Jamaica. I said that I told you that there was a woman that said, "Hey, she invited me to an after party after a party," and I said, "But I saw a damn pineapple tattoo on her neck," and I'm sitting at the bar. She comes up and she's like, "Oh, you know, we start chatting or whatever," and she says, "Oh, you know, you guys, if you want to come to, you should come over with come with me to this party after the party for the for the uh, resort." And I was like, "Ah, you know, I'm not really, I'm not really sure about that because I, I peeped the tattoo on her neck." Then her boyfriend comes over and I was like, yeah, well, you know, I mean, I'll think about it, but I got to talk to my wife is what I said. And if you see the the look on both of their faces was as though they sucked on a lemon. So I knew what time it was. Right. So I go and I tell my wife and I said, hey, listen, <laughs> you know, somebody just invited, somebody invited me to an after party or whatever. And I said, I said, somebody invited us to an after party or invited me to an after party. She said, oh, we should go. I said, no, 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 no. We, we're not going to that party. She said, why not? We came here to have fun. I said, she had a pineapple tattoo on her neck. She's like, what is that supposed to? I don't care what type of tattoo she had. We should go to the party. I was like, nah, you're not selling my ass out there like that. Not thinking that she knew what it meant. Not knowing that she didn't know what it you meant. You are a terrible individual on every what? level. Of the what? You are an absolutely terrible individual. You are a terrible individual. Hold on, hold on. Terrible. Let's stop. Let's stop. Terrible individual. How is it that I just explained to you how I was propositioned for foolishness and I'm but the you, bad guy? But hold on. Because <laughs> you, first you off, see this thing? You there's, see a level, there's a level of assumption there that you were propositioned. Like, <laughs> that, that, that took place. That, that, there's a level of assumption there. Listen, listen, listen. You know what? I, I got to argue for my man because. What, what sister I will never argue for him. No, no. You see how this nigga helps. For me, this story was when the boyfriend came over. That's when I knew, oh, shit about to get, shit, shit about to get listen, served on a platter. Listen, so <laughs> like I was, the resort, listen, the resort has a party that starts at 10 o'clock, had a party that started at 10 o'clock and lasts until 3. And there's a party From 10 that. to 3. And there's she a- wanted me. To come to the Me, party after that party to come to the party after, after that, party. that party boy man wait wait man. this nigga elgin i don't know and you know what's you know what's really wild everybody knows that elgin is living his free life i know he knows the signs no everybody is so the fact Everybody knows that Elgin no, 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 no. is free life. Everybody he knows the signs. Tools. So I explained exactly yeah. what he knows what time it is. No, no. I, I Listen, I know what the pineapple in the shopping cart means, the pineapple tattoo means, all those things. It means that these particular people, men or women, are open to the lifestyle. 
Hold on. Pineapple in the, in the shopping cart is the same thing, or is that it's the same thing? Slightly? Same thing. Okay. Same thing. Just making sure. Yep. Okay. If you see somebody going around a grocery store with just a pineapple in the shopping cart, it's usually a way for them to strike up a conversation of some sort. But that's not, I mean, of course, that's not the only method that people who are in a lifestyle use to connect. But it's a hold universal on, hold on, hold on, it's, it's also you like the, just walk, hold on. Just, people just walking around with one pineapple in the shop. I'm gonna die if I ever see that shit. <laughs> no, for, okay. for, I've never seen that. I just walking around the shopping cart. Walking around the shopping cart, or they'll have groceries in the, the big part of the shopping cart, or one pineapple in the smaller part. Wow! But you'll typically see white folks do that type of behavior. You're not going to find a lot of black folks walking around participating in that type of uh, desire to be introduced to other people who partake in a lifestyle. Black folks are not walking around with pineapple tattoos and shit like that, or the the the, the, the spade tattoos or other shit that white folks do. That's not how, because typically wow. within a life, it's just a different method and thought process for black folks who partake in the lifestyle. White oh, folks bro. are wildly uncouth when it comes to <laughs> 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 I mean, I, 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 think, I think, I, I, I like to think that, I think that, yeah, as black people, we're far more discreet with our... <laughs> and we have to be too, right? Because those spaces typically are white-dominated spaces. Yeah. They're white-dominated spaces where drugs and alcohol often exist. Right. And as anyone black knows... We typically don't go to spaces where it's dominated by white folks who have drugs and alcohol. It typically doesn't turn out well for us. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But yeah, they're they're uncouth and they're wild with it. And I'm so sad that you introduced your wife to the lifestyle via pineapples. I, don't... <laughs> I didn't fuck her. I said <laughs> introduced her to the lifestyle. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, she, uh, yeah, she, bro, she, can, like she, she can never look at you the same again, man. She, she should. <laughs> Every time, wanted, you guys every time she looks at a fucking pineapple, you should compare here. browser histories and see what. Oh my god! <laughs> yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. What's Woo. up? What's up? What is up? Back once again. It is the incredible. Boys, boys in the got black cracky podcast. and everything. Like, okay. <laughs> in case you weren't aware, this is a podcast dedicated to covering the current events and social issues going on in your black world and covering it oh off from the perspective of three grown ass men who know that swings are just for swinging on. I am your host, Big O, Mr. In the Black what? himself. But you know I can never do this alone. Let me introduce the rest of my playground crew. Crush, say what's up. Pause. What's good, everybody? Pause. 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 I mean, yo. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I am the child that chose to read. Okay? I chose to read during recess. Okay? I chose to read during Okay? I'm good. I I'm stayed good. inside because clearly I'm, I'm not playing the same playground. I was in the library. library. I'm not in the playground with you heathens. With you. I'm not in the playground with you black American heathens. No. I, I fucking hate on. you. Come on. I fucking hate you. L, say what's up, man. God damn. <laughs> I just want to start throwing disclaimers out at any moment because, ooh, this, this play, play Hey, how y'all doing, man? Uh <laughs> and if you're checking this out on YouTube, get along. Make man. sure you finesse that thumbs up button. It there he goes, goes with the finesse. Way. I mean, it just helps with from Jesus Christ. It goes a long way. It helps windows. with the algorithm. The algorithm is real. Trust. Make sure you hit that subscribe Trust. button as well. 
so that you don't miss out on the next episode. You can follow us across social media at In the Black PDCST on Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. But if you really want to become part of the family, come on over to our Patreon where you get exclusive content. You will not regret it. That behind the scenes stuff, the stuff that we would never allow to come to. Um, no, come they to would the never allow. I would yeah, let it come out. Yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, we can't let it come out to the general public because it's going to be some be some problems. Folks ain't going to have no jobs. So I'm telling you. We got to look out oh, for each other's well You know that dude? Okay. <laughs> but yes, 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 yes. So uh, recently, um, the city of California, oh, yes, the city of California, the city of San Francisco recently started making some decisions regarding their reparations move, their move for reparations, right? And they said that in a stunning turn of events, the San Francisco chapter of the NAACP has come out in opposition to a reparations proposal for cash payments to the city's black residents in an effort to atone for lingering damages from slavery. A city-appointed committee proposed $5 million payouts to black adults who are descendants of enslaved people with a guaranteed annual income of at least 97000 for 250 years. The committee also proposed the elimination of personal debt and homes in San Francisco with a price tag of just a dollar a family. Now, but while it was appeared that the movement was gaining some momentum, the NAACP San Francisco branch tweeted a statement on Tuesday bashing the reparations proposal. Instead, the NAACP San Francisco branch offered its own reparations proposal that doesn't that excuse me, that does not include cash payments. This is their statement. Quote, we strongly believe that creating and funding programs that can improve the lives of those who have been impacted by racism and discrimination is the best path forward toward equality and injustice. Yeah, because they offered five different things and one of them was like education. Uh, everybody should have free education. Uh, everybody should have access to uh, housing, you know, fair housing. But even in the things that they offered, it didn't go far enough. It was like, you know, everybody should be able to access to free education, still not far enough. Everybody should be able to have fair, safe housing, still not far enough. So it was just really fascinating, those five things. And when we find them, uh, mm -hmm. we'll put them in the show notes that people can know what the hell we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Part of the dilemma that I had with the whole breakdown from the NAACP was, once again, like you said, that they weren't specific. They were not specific about how that was going to work, what they actually intended. So say, okay, let's give this, let's give money to these programs. Which programs? Yeah, what how much programs? Money? Who's going? Who's going to manage it? Exactly. Yeah. Why do you believe do you that the money is going to be going to them? And, and and this is the thing that gets me. It comes across very. And Elgin is known for saying this very. Uh, Elgin is known for saying this often. It comes across as the black leadership class, this black gatekeepers, because you're going to you're, instead of these reparations being sent to the millions of people in or the. Hundreds, hundreds of thousands of black residents in San Francisco, allowing them to make their own decisions and control their own destiny. They said, no, no, you need to give it to these programs or put it through some bureaucratic loophole that, or behind some bureaucratic firewall, and then we'll ultimately make these decisions. At least that's the way it comes across. And it doesn't make any sense to me. 
So and, what do you and, think? And, and it also it also implies that you know there aren't already programs in place trying to help us out there. Yep. You know there are plenty, plenty of people already feeding the ground that could use the support that the NAACP is implying. Um, you know, but yes, it does sound like they're trying to add a layer of bureaucratic, you know, red tape between you know between uh, some sense of justice and and our people. I mean, but. To be honest, you know, this whole thing is this seems like one baby step of a much larger discussion that does not feel completely thought out in any way. I think many people have read that the MWCP has opposed us and didn't read the article, didn't do any investigating, just took it as if. You know, since the NAACP has been rather uh, impotent the past 20, 30 years, that, way, uh, that they are against the idea of reparations. That's not totally true. They're not against reparations. They are against this form and type of reparations that... The, uh, the city of San Francisco is looking to put out. Now, the fascinating component about this is one of the leaders of the San Francisco NAACP chapter participated in the early stages of putting together, this yeah. proposal yeah. together. And then afterwards, he kind of backed out and said no and went in a different direction, right? So, first off, I don't like the $5 million payout. I, I think it's a low-ball number. I think it doesn't. It's not sufficient <laughs> enough. Uh, why do I think it's not sufficient enough? Because for all the studies that black folks have done in regards to reparations, like there are people who have spent their total lives working yeah, their towards, looking towards, the, towards, you know, their in their lives, finding out and trying to gauge how reparations would work. $5 million is literally a drop in a bucket. Also, that $5 million is a one-time payment. The problem with accepting that one-time $5 million payment is that ultimately you set a precedence for the rest of the country to adhere to. So now if you're somewhere like Boston or Philadelphia and you want $50 million, they're going to be like, nah, we San Francisco folks just in got fact, $5 million. In fact, in fact, they're probably adjust for inflation in each state. Yeah, so, so I think get, that's so the problem. Probably end up with maybe, you know, 100K. Sure, sure. And I think that's where it gets <clears throat> really, really tricky. I just don't like it. I don't I don't like the, the responses that we've had to it. I think we've gone on some. I think the NAACP as a whole deserves criticism i think that criticism should be formed in balance analysis not based off of uh memes and other form of vitriol that we're handing out on social media folks saw NAACP opposing this and just have gone nuts and again i'm not aligning myself with NAACP. i don't like what they proposed either i think what they proposed was worse did what the San Francisco folks proposed, right? But I don't okay. think that what the people in San Francisco proposed either was fair and appropriate. Reparations are due, but 
I mean, it has to be done differently. Yeah, what's clear about this discussion is that um, reparations in this country for our people can never, ever be contained within cash payments. You know, that, that is the, by far the most short-sighted, short-sighted stopgap I've ever heard. You know, the, the, pass, the, and the most short-sighted pacifier I've ever heard. You know, um, to, 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 to sum up, to, to sum up the, 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 the centuries of, exi- of, 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 of a painful existence into a $5 million check is an insult. Well, we, like I said, we've had this conversation multi to, uh, a multitude of times. And once again, like Crush said, it, reparations, the approach to reparations, at least that I adhere to, is that it has to be multi-pronged. It just can't be, it can't just solely be one-time lump sum cash uh, payouts. But I think where people got upset, honestly, it's not necessarily just because they saw that they opposed, that the NAACP opposed reparations in San Francisco, but also when you try, when you try to drill down into the specifics of it, they're very, once again, there aren't any specifics. It really doesn't give you any, they don't really give you any details. Now, we've got some folks in our social media that we posed this question to earlier. Janine, uh, Jenny. Jenny says, perhaps the NAACP's objection is that the taxes on $5 million wouldn't leave much money. I think the taxes would be about 60%. It ain't a, I ain't got a clue. <laughs> they should elaborate though, which is one of the comments. I got another guy, um, Dr. K says, I think they take the position that cash is a Band-Aid solution that won't fix the underlying issues. What good is money for school when the school discriminates? What good is money for a house when housing discrimination is still rampant? I think that they, uh, I think that's where they're going with this. So, I mean, people are asking some of the right questions, but at the same time, the NAACP is not necessarily being as forthright about how they would see the money be spent, one. And then two, it's one of the things that a lot of people, black people in particular, have the fears that we have about the government. It's like you don't want to go through that all the bureaucracy because or the the bureaucracy and the firewalls because then somebody else controls your destiny. You may not ever get that money. You may not ever get the help that you're looking for. Yeah. So I think that's the problem with this on both sides is one side of people who believe that the five million dollars is sufficient, you're also trusting in the government. You're believing that the government is going to be able to be trusted to give the five million dollars then i think also what the naacp does is even more flagrant right because the things that they're calling for invest in education economic empowerment and then they make statements like with president biden's infrastructure bill we Mm. want to see more black people get the opportunity like you're trusting that not only are you trusting the government but you're trusting specific areas and avenues, mm-hmm. housing, healthcare, and it's the Fillmore Heritage Center. Like, that's where I had a bigger issue at. I think both of these parties, both of these sides are, uh, in my opinion, when it comes to reparations, misguided and headed in the wrong direction. Man, I mean, you look, I think one of the things that makes people, the, and this is just me speaking, right. makes one of the folks folks so upset is that, like L said, the NAACP has been borderline impotent for like the past 20 to 30 years. And then you hear folks that need money hearing that they could possibly get, whether it's rightly or wrongly, possibly get $5 million. 
And you come on, you're like, well, nah, I don't think, you know, I think we should pump the brakes on the $5 million. I was like, hold up. What's going on? What you mean that you need to pump the brakes on the $5 million? I thought you guys were here to help us out. L, what you got on deck for us next, man? Man, this particular story that I'm pulling up here, um, I'm really getting tired of having these conversations about these types of stories. Uh, it's really beginning to be more and more difficult to navigate this world when it comes to dealing with stories such as what has taken place to young Rashim Carter. It's clear that family members and friends want someone to be held accountable for the death of 25-year-old Rashim Carter. This was not a natural death. This represents a young man who was killed. Well-known civil rights attorney Ben Crump gives the gruesome details on how the Jefferson County man was found. His head was severed from his body. His vertebrae, his spinal cord, was in another spot they discovered away from his severed head. They have recently found remains that they believe are also Racine Carter. Carter was last seen outside a Super 8 hotel at the beginning of October in Laurel, which is half an hour from where he had been contracted to work in Taylorsville at Georgia Pacific. Remains believed to be his were found on November 2nd. Those close to Carter say he was being threatened by people he knew. He was dutifully and gainfully employed, just trying to make a living for his young, young child and ends up dead, chased by what we believe to be white supremacists, a lynch mob. In fact, Carter's mother, Tiffany Carter, says he even let her know about it during one of his last text messages to her right before he went missing. He said, me and the owner of this company not seeing eye to eye, mama. His name, I, which I can't say at this time, but if anything happened to me, he's responsible for it. I'm too smart, mama. He got these guys wanting to kill me. But they say what's even more alarming is the fact that someone attempted to use Carter's credit card even after it was determined that he was dead. And we believe that is a big clue. Think about it. The person who had his credit card is likely to have encountered him while he was alive. And it shouldn't have to be this difficult for this broken-hearted mother to get answers. answers. Last October, Rasheem Carter told Taylorsville, Mississippi police that he had been chased by truckloads. Now listen to that, ladies and gentlemen. He had been chased by truckloads, that's with an S, of white men yelling racial slurs at him. Days later, Carter was officially reported missing. His remains were found a month later, just a mile south of town, in a statement posted to Facebook at the time. The Smith County Sheriff's Office, where Taylorsville is located, said that there was no reason to believe that foul play was involved. No reason to believe that foul play was involved. This young man and his family went to these very police 
and reported that truckloads of white men chased him and was calling him racial slurs. A month later, goes missing. Another month later, his body is found. What parts of his body are found, and he is found decapitated. But this very same police department, where their initial report was given and placed and taken, is saying they have no reason to believe that foul play was involved. One of the colleagues that he had, because he doesn't have a car, so one of the colleagues at the job was actually transporting him back and forth to work. But because of the beef that he had with the boss, that person then took up beef with him and stopped transporting him. Stopped picking him up to go to work. So he called his cousin and told his cousin, hey, I need a ride to go to work. She dropped him off and she waited at their pickup spot for him and he never showed up. She reported him missing the next day. It wasn't but a couple of months later that they found his dismembered body and the police being as disrespectful as they were, gave his mother his head and his spinal cord in a box. It was like, yeah, here you go. This is, this is what we could find. You can take that and do what you want with it. It's unreal. It's just, it, it's absolutely unreal. Um, I, uh, I can't imagine the pain she's going through. And I would, uh, I can only, uh, send, a, send whatever strength I have left to her through something so incredibly traumatic and incredibly infuriating. Just incredibly infuriating. It's just uh, 2022. I don't want to go too far off on a tangent, and we right. have this conversation often right. enough. Right. But once right. again, you know that Ben Crump is the yeah. lead on this mm -hmm. case. Right. I, I'm not ignorant to think that he does this for, really does this for altruistic reasons. There, he has to be getting something from this. What that is, I, I can speculate all day, but it's. I don't think it's as clear cut as what many people would lead you to believe. Right. With that being said, I'm glad that he exists in this realm because I don't know. It wasn't until the family brought it up to him and he started making noise about it that anybody, the vice, even came to come and talk about this. Nobody knew that this case existed. I, 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 go ahead, go ahead, L. I, I see. I know you. No, I know you. I, it, it I, bubbles I in your ass. I see. I see. I see your point, right? I see where you're going with that, but I think also, unfortunately, whether it's intentional or not, he often is a stopgap for prepare, uh, families to get some sort of justice, right? He gets a chance to bring these cases to the light. He gets a chance to, to get people talking about it. But unfortunately and sadly, that's often where these cases stop. Uh, they stop at the headlines on Vice. Uh, they don't go any further than that. Um, and that's not necessarily, necessarily saying anything disparaging about Crump. I have... Uh, my own personal views of the dude, but I don't want that to sully this point here. Uh, I think it's just, I think it's the nature of the monster that we're up against. Uh, 
I hate the story. I hate there's not a, a component or a place or a part of the story that ever provides me with any hope uh, that things are going to change, that they have changed, that nothing, there's nothing. I think our collective responses to this is also as uh, discouraging as the actual acts that we have uh, when we have black people who are directly connected to the families saying things like, well, I don't think the police had any involvement in this. Um, those types of things are incredibly difficult to hear because while we are not able to pinpoint and say, yes, the police did indeed conspire with these truckloads of white men to murder and decapitate this young brother, what we can say is that the police were culpable in his death, meaning that they knew that there had been threats of violence and terrorism towards this young brother. And based off of the reports that we're reading, not only in Vice, but in other media outlets, they did nothing to investigate or investigate and stop this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't even know what to say as far as how do we proceed? Where do we go? What do we do? Because again, another instance of us facing white terrorism and being victims of white terrorism where we've done the right thing. We went home. We told our parents what we're going through. That's what they always said. Tell your parents. We go home. We be tell vocal, our parents. Yeah, be vocal. Yeah. Be vocal about it. Our parents give us good instructions and good wisdom on how to handle it. Go tell the police. We go tell the police. And yet and still, less than a month later, we end up missing so where is the encouragement at here? Where is the, the hope in this? Where where do people find faith in these situations? If if you are a person of faith, how do you proceed with moments yeah, of your faith yeah. when you see this taking place time yeah. and time again? Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Man. Part of the dilemma also with the sheriff, I forget the sheriff's name that's in that's leading this whole thing is that the men at his job yep. that has already been reported that he they were giving him a hard time, he's essentially publicly exonerated them, basically said that they're no longer under investigation because they don't believe that they were around the area where his body was found within that time period when he, when he had died or whatever. So he's basically openly said that those guys aren't the guys, even though there isn't enough evidence at this point to say that it is or not. And it hasn't gone to trial. You don't just that. I mean, if anybody knows anything about legal cases, you don't do that. You don't do that. But here we have it. Not only were you slow to come to the realization that he was actually murdered, but now you're already crossing possible suspects off the list before anything has even gotten off the ground. So we see where this is going. You know, I, it makes you wonder what, what you know, regions like Mississippi could possibly look like in the distant future. I tell you <laughs> what, it should look like it should look like a, pol- a complete absence of black folk. I know that shit. That would be interesting. That would be interesting if, if you know, one day, you're like you know what you want it here, keep it. We out. You know, and there like, are areas like you want it, you, you, where you, we ain't going. 
where there sure. are still sundown towns where we sure. know that we I mean, can't what, get caught in what those happen, areas. What would happen to a state in the United States if all the black people abandoned? Every oh, last one. Every last one. Off. Yeah, they would die off. They wouldn't have... Well, every the, last, the, if every the last black person is evacuated in Mississippi. Uh, <laughs> chicken would be unseasoned. Their, <laughs> inter- their interracial porn uh, subscriptions would skyrocket. Uh, uh, what, what else do we have here? Uh, shut, shut up, Because all, because all the mixed children, because all the mixed children gotta go too. Yeah. All the mixed children gotta go. Eminem's too. album sales and streaming sales would shoot through the roof. Uh, <laughs> do you talk to these to your children about these stories? Um, no. And not necessarily because I don't want to, but because once again, I think I'm trying to. No, I think I'm. I think I'm compensating, right? (laughs) I don't want to. I don't want to bring their minds to something that they're not necessarily prepared to handle. Which at the same Mm -hmm. time, I got. I know that. I like. And I. I see the look that you give me, and I. I I welcome it every fucking time. You know. You know. I. I I get it. Like part of me, right, is like I don't want to scare them or immobilize them to the world, but the other part of me knows that I want them to be prepared. So it's a balancing act. Like I have conversations with them around the edges, but I don't think I've never ever been. I'm never graphic or specific because I see how when they were much younger when I had that conversation. But when do you think you will get to that that go into the deep end? At what age and what what has to happen for you to go into the deep end? That's that's a very good question because I don't. That's that's a very good question. I, I. to be honest with you, I I know it sounds crazy to say it. No, I don't, I, no, no judgment. There's no, there's no, 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 no judgment. I, I mean, no. I I appreciate. No. You. I know it sounds crazy no. to say, it, but I think when they're like closer to getting out of middle school, right? And th- yeah. this is the thing, and okay. I now I, I say this. I remember having that conversation with them when they were in elementary school, second, third grade, both of them, second and third grade, mm-hmm. about slavery and what slavery was and what the contents of slavery were and the things that happened to black people during slavery. And both of my kids literally bawling. And then when we had the George Floyd conversation and then me expressing or telling them things that happened to me growing up with my interactions with the police and then becoming emotional. And as a father, I want to be truthful with them, but at the same time, I don't want to scare them to the point that it immobilizes them, right? Or to even to see them in such an emotional state about what the real world looks like. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. But so, I know that I can't. Yeah. I know that I can't escape it, though. I know I have yeah. to have that conversation with them, gotcha. or those conversations with them. I, are you having those conversations with your yeah. girls, man? Absolutely. Hold up, your oldest is what seven. Eight? My oldest is eight. And you're having these conversations I'm with them? I'm having these type of conversations with them. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I'm having and I'm, I'm having these type of conversations on a different level with my eight-year-old than I am with my six- and four-year-old. How do you right. preface or start that conversation then? Uh, well, they typically, it's, I don't think, I don't find it very difficult to start the conversations, right? Uh, they'll typically see me reading something. They'll see a 
article or something I have laying out on the table or they'll ever hear me having a conversation with somebody else while I'm in an organizing meeting in the living room. They'll hear me, you know, they've seen me get prepared and go out to uh, protest the police or to encounter. So they know that's dad's life. That's dad's life. Dad's, yeah, that's who it. dad is, right? But I, I also have had the conversation with them of this is dad's life. Dad's not doing this as a way of setting you up for you to be the next dad. Mm -hmm. Dad's doing okay. this to be able to set up and change the world so you don't have to be the next dad. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I'm doing it now with the hope that when you get to a position in age of your father, you don't have to. So for Black History Month, they had uh, my oldest daughter had, you know, going through all of the things they're watching ruby bridges they're talking about rosa parks and she's coming home and wanting to have the conversations and i'll say okay sweetheart well do you want to know the real story hmm, right i give her that opportunity do you want to know the real story and so we talked about ruby bridges and she was she was able to connect with ruby bridges but then i said do you think ruby bridges should have been out there She's like, what do you mean? I said, little Ruby Bridges was a little black girl going into incredibly hostile, potentially violent areas. This is the conversation you're having with your eight-year-old. Sure. Okay. I said, do you Perfect. think dad, as an eight-year-old, as you know, would be able to send you out to be in that space to have to deal with those types of things? Do you think that was fair of her parents to do that? Wow, that's a question. And she was like, absolutely not. I think it was absolutely unfair. There was mm -hmm. no reason in the world that she's like, you wouldn't do that. And we had mm -hmm. the conversation about Rosa Parks and Claudette Colvin. Mm -hmm. We unpacked, so we talked about some colorism because my daughter is, my eight-year-old is a, a, a beautiful chocolate, you know, a chocolate dramatic young girl <laughs> and then my middle daughter deuce is a she has the same complexion as me she has my so we talked about colorism and the difference between rosa parks and claudette colvin why claudette mm -hmm. wasn't able to get the type of recognition that rosa did mm -hmm. and then we talked about class and how other so we've been able to have that type of conversation in a way where i haven't introduced the violent part. So we haven't talked about Emmett Till. Mm. But what we have talked about was the murder of my brother, right? Mm -hmm. So we've had that part. And I think that's where the distinction is for me compared to some other parents. I've been, my family's been victimized in that capacity. So it's something that she sees me deal with on a daily basis. So we have that type of conversation. Plus I strongly believe that if I don't have these conversations with her, I'm not equipping her properly. I tell her to watch, look both ways when she's crossing the street, to put her seatbelt on, not to talk to strangers, to not be on the internet having you know chats with people. Why would race or racism be an area that Except I would keep them. away from her? Yeah, I dig it. Logically, I just can't. I can't. I mean. So that's, I mean, and that's no way, shape, or form saying that the way other people are parenting and doing it is wrong because I can completely be doing some shit in error here. I consider it, well, we, we, we'll be on the surface, we consider it very positive, but definitely deserves a little more 
careful and critical, uh, critical, careful and critical look on what it actually means. But according to the Southern American Southern Maryland Chronicle, Maryland has sworn in, sworn in its most diverse cabinet in the state's history. On March 2nd, Governor Moore and Lieutenant Governor Aruna Miller conducted the swearing-in ceremony of the Moore Miller administration's cabinet secretaries, making it the most diverse cabinet in Maryland's history. Governor Moore expressed uh, their pride uh, in his administration for delivering on their promise to represent all Marylanders. Um, and he's right. Yeah, it is. It does appear that way. But I know how uh, our show has uh, our show's general views of what representation actually means. That it's only one step in the right direction, and how effective um, our presence really is in um, in, uh, in the U.S. Go- in U.S. government. But um, it'd be hard not to see uh, to see this as a at least a, a, a pretty decent step in the right direction. Um, but what do you gentlemen think about uh, you know having a cabinet this deep with uh, with a diaspora <laughs> involved um, at this particular time? Go ahead, Al. I wrestle with. Uh, res- representation, like I, I that's something mm-hmm. that I think me and 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 O have butted heads on a number of times when it comes to representation, whether it be in movies, uh, TV shows, politics, mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. Because right. I don't think representation alone is the answer, right? Mm-hmm. Having more black faces in pr- areas that potentially carry power and influence are not the solution. I'll I'll stake my flag on that. But I will say is that it does have the potential of influencing others to be in positions of power to ultimately possibly cultivate change, right? But then also I wrestle with that because then I have to believe that there's some sense or some possibility that this institution can be reformed and it can provide a level of change and things along those lines. But I think it's also one step at a time, right? One thing at a time. And so I try not to, at this point in time in my politics, Mm -hmm. not be so quick to piss on other people's views of representation. Mm -hmm. Right. I I don't need to do that. Uh, If we engage in a conversation, we can have a conversation, but I don't need to say representation is trash. Mm -hmm. Don't believe in it. Don't do it. I feel the same because, way. Yeah, it's because it's even it's when, it's yeah, even for instance, you don't shifting just a little bit, Wakanda Forever, right? I, mm-hmm. I my daughters and I watch Wakanda Forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, not giving a review here, but for me, my daughters seeing, particularly my middle daughter Deuce, who has a Riri Williams spirit, right. It was important for my daughter to be able to see Riri on TV. Now, the likelihood that my daughter grows up with the same politics of a Riri are slim. But what she did get was an opportunity to see that in her creativity, in her ability to work outside the box to solve problems the way that she saw Riri do, encourages her to push in that path. So I think that's what representation can present 
to us. So when we have an all black, you know, cabinet, what's what's you know, what does that do? How does that help? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. But does it does it Me ultimately neither. hurt? Oh, potentially it can. Mm. But I, you know, yeah, I it could hurt. hurt. It can actually hurt. <laughs> I do think there's some, some, some potential. I think. Small victories, man. I think that yeah. you know, life is so shitty that that we gotta be able to. Can you can, can you do a, can you do a see a day uh, for Phil for for Pennsylvania? Absolutely not. Like Absolutely not. Absolutely not. These these white folks are not going for that. Oh no 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 no. Well, I mean, I, would, I mean, hey, maybe your daughter yeah. will be the one. And, and I'll hey, be sitting in my rocket chair with the four five underneath. He's still ready. Hey, he's like, hey, Danny, they elected me. Uh, they elected, yeah. me, elected me governor. Yeah. I'm gonna yeah, bring yeah. all my sisters up in here. Yeah. yeah, let me let me call some folks for security then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think one of the things, man, that's gotten me is that I I used to be one that I initially thought the represent representation was the key, right? That it was that I won't say the end all be all, but was a a strong or galvanizing factor to many of the issues that we had mm -hmm. in politics and social issues and so on, right? But the more, the longer we do this show, the more stories like these that we cover, I've grabbed, for the past few years, I've gravitated to representation only being part of the key, if a key at all, right? Representation matters for young people to know that they have the ability to do certain things. There was one uh there's a show a movie named coda i haven't watched it but i've been hearing so many great things about it it's a very good a very good movie where the main character is deaf him and his wife are deaf but the only speaking character is their child in the entire movie and the movie revolves around the deaf father and the deaf mother Right, so when little deaf kids ultimately see a movie like this and they're like, wow, okay, out of all the movies I've been watching my entire life, watching a movie like this lets me know that it's possible for me to aspire to be in film or to see that see a person like me makes you feel a certain way, right? But then we have representation when we start talking about the body politic or in social issues, right? Representation doesn't mean shit if you're carrying, carrying the same shitty ass tactics and mentality and yeah. culture right along with you. Yeah. There's a story that's going on right now in Clayton, Clayton County in Georgia where the sheriff there is a black man, but he's recently been fired because he was abusing people in the jail for no reason. No reason. They have something called a restraint chair. And for no reason, just because people would disagree with him maybe they would ask to get their they would ask they would try to fulfill their rights by asking for a phone call and so on he would throw these people in these restraint chairs for hours at a time and there's literally a label on the chair when they sell the chair to you that says basically do not prolong do do not have uh occupants prolonged in this seating for more than x y and z time can can it can lead to health conditions or death. And this is what this dude used to do as a torture tactic to people in jail. So you tell me how much representation mattered when you had some dude that was influenced by the police culture fucking abusing black people. But even when we take a step further, right? And I don't know if you planned on, I don't know if you planned on touching on this particular topic or not. When we had the article in the group talking about black folks 
potentially buying BET, whether it be, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Again, did, did, when you see those articles posted, you see black folks immediately cheering and looking to have that type of representation. Like when you think, and I'm, I'm like, hold on, are we still in this position where we think just because someone is black in a position of power that they automatically are going to do what is needed for other black people? When are we going to learn that these people, particularly the black misleadership class and black celebrities, are going to do things only for them or people who are in their position? Like Diddy and old boy Tyler Perry and what's my man that, and, uh, that owns Byron the Weather Allen. Channel? Yeah, Byron, Byron Allen. Allen is married to a whole ass white woman. Why in the world are we going to possibly believe that all of a sudden this dude? <laughs> a whole this ass white woman. This nigga Al. He ain't talking about me. Al is just a fucking woman. troublemaker. Us, man. man. That's another one. But no, your, your, your point, your point is. Your point is 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 made, my guy. He's married like, no to bullshit. a whole ass white it, woman. Your your point is made. It, I mean, you can't really expect people with money to necessarily have the benefits no. of people that are no. working class in the same. Yeah. You know, they're have their have their interests. Yep, all the time, every single day, man. And that's not and to say that they're not. Black. That's not to say that they're not black. Because that's you know, not to that's say that they're not argue, black. That's the argument that people make afterwards. I'm not saying racial oppression. I am not. Say, we are not no saying way, that. Shame I am not saying that. No, but we can also pull up receipts on all three of those gentlemen where they have done horrible damage to the black community or specifically someone in. We don't even have to have the conversation about Diddy specifically and Father MC's baby mama, right? We can, we can go that far back. <sighs> like, these are not good people because they have a lot of money, people. Yeah, because they represent you, you man. Yeah. Yeah. You know the old saying, man, all, all skin folk ain't kin folk. Ain't kin and I'm folk. Not, that's not to say that's not to say that they're bad people. I'm just saying nope. that I'm nope. not I'm not rushing to, I'm not rushing to jump up and down just because mm. they're ready to buy weed. And that's the danger of representation. Yeah. Yeah. All right, right about now is the time when we'd like to give you little tidbits of news or words of wisdom that you could take with yourself into the week. L, what is up, sir? Oh, man. I had an article that I wanted to share about, and I think O shared it with us about this black couple who had their family broken up by the local child protective services. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I wanted to highlight a phenomenal book by an author named Dorothy Roberts. Dorothy Roberts did a phenomenal book called Torn Apart, where she highlights specifically the race's origins and the manifestations of racism within child protective services across the country. Phenomenal text, phenomenal read. I highly suggest it uh, because... Yeah, I know when we see families involved in behaviors that we typically don't agree with, our first reaction is we want to call CPS, right? Yeah. Um, I, I wish we would take a different tactic. Hold on. That's not to say that some folks don't deserve to have that intervention. Oh, no. Intervention should, should happen, to be clear. But it sh but that shouldn't always be the that first should, jumping point. Like all the 
Yep, we gotcha. shouldn't be the first jumping point because yeah, I was <laughs> really strategy. Some strategy. of her, some of the numbers that she drops are mind-boggling. He said three. I think black people are almost three times more likely to be separated from their children for the same incidences as white folks. And three it's times. once again, it's I believe it. It's harder for them to be reunited with those kids. Very hard. Yeah. So that's Crush, all I got, man. I dig it, man. Crush, what's up, man? Uh, a bit of good news, uh, Nipsey, uh, you know, around Nipsey Hussle's children, uh, because we all know that Nipsey Hussle was all about ownership before his uh, untimely passing. And uh, reports now indicate that his children have now been given a chance to entrepreneurship with their own marathon clothing brick and mortar store. On uh, this past Wednesday, uh, Black Sam, uh, Nip's brother, opened up about the venture uh, on, on the podcast, and he noted that, that the move would help set uh, Nipsey Hussle's children up for the future and allow them to experience ownership. So congratulations, kids. Yeah, no doubt. I was going to talk about uh, BET, the BET sale, but L stepped all over my damn. I talked about that shit, man. <laughs> oh, no, all over my no, we should make that a whole separate. A whole separate yeah, it whole stepped separate. all over my whole story. So we, we'll, run, we'll run that back and go deeper. We'll run that back and go deeper into it. And yeah, we, should, we, should, we, should, we should get some, some, some financial people involved and some TV yeah. people involved in that one. Yeah. We'll have, we'll have it. We'll have a deeper conversation. Yeah, see if, see if your wife got any of her fine ass friends who work in that particular field to come on and have a conversation. If I mean, she needs I'm, some I'm, help, I'm I can right. go through her friends list and pick a couple out and say, "Hey, that might, one right might, there," or some of the ones that she's had on before. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Look at this nigga on the freaking brown man. This I might be able to get somebody from the TV side to, to speak to the situation too. Okay. okay, no doubt, no doubt. So yeah, we'll we'll talk about that when the time comes. No doubt. L, where can folks find you if they want to find you, man? <laughs> <laughs> this motherfucker here, bro. I I At Elgin Bailey on Twitter, man. Come through. No doubt. No doubt. Crush, where can folks find you if they want to find you? Man, they can find me on uh, Instagram as usual with the arms crushed. T H E O R E N G K R U S H. And I'm Big O, Mr. In the Black himself. You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at MR underscore in the black. And I want to thank you guys again for joining us for another incredible episode of the In the Black podcast. You could have been anywhere else in the world, but you chose to kick it with us and we appreciate it. Make sure you follow us across social media at In the Black PDCST on Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. Come on over to our Patreon. You will not regret it. The behind the scenes, all that stuff. I know you're going to enjoy it. But as always, until next time, inform intelligent in the black. In the black. Peace. This is, this is the In the Black Podcast. In the Black, bro. Hands down, one of the best podcasts I ever heard, though. I like y'all. Bretchen, what up? I read a black coffee, Bretchen. Listen, in the black podcast, think your lad is all facts. He don't like that, the fault fact. In the black podcast, don't talk trash. Switch fast if you ain't raw, then you're Hip hop intelligent elements, always relevant. Not for the weak and delicate. This is eloquent excellence. We are setting the precedence. Resting in my excrement. In the black podcast, the truth like the testament. Don't know.
Black up bro, man a specialist So what the podcast broadcast can't mess with this Like said them a cheat, who no do it so effortless I listen them I learn, when them listen them I benefit Reporting current event, everything that is prevalent This is so exquisite, a scientific experiment Giving you the news, not views without evidence Telling you the truth, sentiments without embellishments Relax, these are the facts, bringing them to your residence In your house or your tenement, listen to hear intelligence Body filled with melody, power that's so ascending Bright in the stars, bringing some light Back to the in the black podcast, that your land is all facts. You don't like that before. In the black podcast, they pumped up. Who looks like watch black up here? Chat me down. In the black podcast, that your land is all facts. You don't like that before. In the black podcast, we all lost. They will let them turn on and let them turn on. Yes, yeah. Just like that, though. <laughs> 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 <laugh